It was a nail-biter, but the Giants prevailed with a win over Washington. We dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly from the 23-20 victory. Can Big Blue play the football team every week? We also would chat with a former teammate of mine, Super Bowl 46 champion, in a three-time Pro Bowl safety, Antrell Roll. All that and more next on a happy recap edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. But if you're an Apple Podcast user, give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review. We appreciate your support. We bring you two episodes every week, all season long for Big Blue. Coming up on today's Happy Recap Edition following a Giant win is former Giant safety, three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, the great Antrell Roll, your host of Blue Rush this season, our longtime Giants beat writer, Paulie Schwartz, and former Giants kicker, two-time Super Bowl champion, LT, a.k.a. L Boogie, Lawrence Tynes. Guys, it's a happy recap. It's only the second time you've been able to do it, but the Giants won today. Life is good. Life is grand. It wasn't pretty, but a win is a win, Paul. It was a sweaty, ugly, uncomfortable <laughs> Happy recap. Yes, Jake. It was, I mean, I could not believe it, Lawrence. 21. Well, who, who's to say you can't believe it? Because you yeah. have to believe it because it happens all the time. 20 to 3 at halftime. And you know what I'm thinking, Lawrence? Maybe, just maybe the Giants kind of coached here. Were you thinking that? Or were you like, no way, it's not happening? You know, I thought it. I think everyone thought it. I thought, okay, this is our kind of coming out party where <laughs> our Giants fan base is going to get to relax. And you knew that wasn't going to happen after that drive in the third quarter. I mean, they were, that was the easiest drive we've given up probably all season. We were non-competitive and, and that when they scored, I looked at my son, I said, Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. You know what? It was, Oh boy, here we go again, but it just stopped short of that. Now, one moment of the game that I really thought resonated, I want to hear what you think about this is, okay, it's now 23-20, right? The Giants are clinging to this lead. Terry McCollin goes 68 yards for a touchdown. Jake, Sarah, Lawrence, he broke everybody's tackle, right? Nobody could stop the guy. There were three guys there. He breaks everybody's tackle. He scores. It's pathetic. And then I like what Joe Judge did. He's not a defensive coordinator. He's not an offensive coordinator. He got that defense together on the sideline and read them the riot act. Absolutely read him the riot act. And he said, I asked him that question. He said, we talked all week about we need to finish. We talked about it before the game, halftime, need to finish the game. And and what happened? Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers come up with interceptions. That showed me a lot about Judge Joe Judge Lawrence, that he talked to the defense. Okay, defensive coordinator had his job. He's the head coach. He's putting a stop to it right then. Yeah, and that's important. You certainly probably learned that from Belichick. You know, we've always seen Bill Belichick go talk to his defenses in New England. The pivotal moment for me in this football game is going to be the drive after we gave up the touchdown in the third quarter. I said, this is the biggest drive of the game. We just gave up an easy touchdown. The Giants, and this is this showed me some maturity. They went on a seven, seven and a half minute, 13 play drive and got points, which were so important after giving up that touchdown. It chewed up a lot of clock. And I thought for me, watching that football game, they'll look back as a team and say, that was big time. 
That's how you hold on to the football after giving up an easy touchdown. And it really set the tone. I don't I don't know that we could have done that two or three weeks ago, but that was important. Oh, that's a man's jam. Well, you know what they couldn't have done two or three weeks ago also, Lawrence? Run the ball 35 times, Beautiful. For 166 yards. And this was not, you know, Daniel Jones running 80 yards on one play and then falling yeah. down. Daniel Jones ran the ball six times for four yards. He, you know, he was sacked a few times. This was running backs, offensive lineman blocking. Wayne Gallman, 14 for 68 and a touchdown. Alfred Morris. I mean, Alfred <laughs> Morris. I mean, he's 32 years old. Looks uh, great. Nine carries, 67 yards. And I'll tell you, Alfred Morris doesn't mess around, does he? He goes, no. he goes east-west a little bit, but only till he can turn and go north-south. I mean, he surprised me. He is a dog. Yeah, and let's give credit to this offensive line. They were moving bodies today. Matt Pert, again, you know, my favorite player on the team, was playing left tackle, right tackle. Every time he was in the game, even when Fleming was in the game, they were moving people off the line of scrimmage, and they were running the football. I really loved it. I think Wayne Gallman needs a whole lot more touches. This this kid is getting better every week, and he's becoming a factor. They're going to start game planning around Wayne Gallman. D-A-W-G. Today, I was getting frustrated at times. I'm like, just give it to Gallman. He gains four or five yards on first down. I actually thought they should have just milked the run more, but Morris ran equally as well or better. So... Daniel Jones didn't have to reinvent the wheel here. The best thing Daniel Jones today, and and that is really strange to say, is he (laughs) did not fumble when he was hit. That blindside hit with the safety on took him apart. Everyone I know, I'm sure you thought the same thing. Here it comes. Where's the ball? It's going to be on the ground, and it's going to give Washington the ball in great. Well, we could all we could all see it watching the TV. It was a backside slot blitz, and I'm like. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) Then he he holds on to the ball. But, you know, he had a couple where the ball kind of slipped out of his hand and then he got one popped out. But overall, Daniel Jones was just fine today. I thought he but I I was impressed with I, I did see him consciously throwing the ball away. I felt like it looked like more. And he was taking sacks. I'd like to see a little bit more better pocket mobility, but he was fine. I mean, I thought he played okay. Yeah, I I think fine is the right word. Look, five turnovers, four by the defense, one on special teams to nothing. If I tell you before every game, two teams that are fairly evenly matched, five turnovers, none. You say five turnovers is a route. No turnovers. You got beat badly. They were life. And, they were life and death. I mean, it, the Giants will take it, but that's not the the no. balance that should ever be. I don't think nothing. I was trying to find a stat today after the game. I don't think a team's ever lost plus five in turnover margin. I don't think so. Now maybe there's a different site you can go to to find that. But I would like to give you know some kudos to Albert Mack. Come on! I thought he played. Fantastic. We need, a, we need a third guy. He looks like he might be the third guy. That's because the other third guy was home. Golden Tate, they left him home. It was very interesting because if you asked me before the game, look, what is Joe Judge doing here? Well, Golden Tate's a better player than, than a rookie undrafted guy, Mac from Ohio State. But Joe Judge says, nope, selfishness means you don't make the trip, period. So you put a rookie in there. Mac played well. 50-yard catch down the left sideline. He's not human. You know what? And of all the young receivers they had in the summer, I like Mac the best. You know, Ohio State, the mistakes they make are good players. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they're just the, the guy's a good player. While sending a message to Golden Tate and the rest of the roster that, look, you're either with us or you're against us. And if you're against us, you're not getting a uniform. He puts a rookie in. The rookie makes the play. And so it's a win-win for Joe Judge, don't you think? It is, yeah. And I called him Albert. His name Austin, so that tells you uh, yes. 
I was, I was about to come in with the Tony Reale uh, <laughs> correction there, what, but I didn't. Where in the hell did I get Albert from? Rubbish. Austin, sorry. He played tough. He was physical in the run game, too. I mean, people want to look at the offensive line for some of these run plays that we had today. The receivers were blocking their tails off. Caden Smith continues to block people. Evan Ingram, that's for another show. I mean, he he was Evan Ingram, right? He he just made a couple of boneheaded plays, and then he makes a great catch in the touchdown. So we're back to these stories again with him. Well, well, uh, you know, it's for another show, but I think we'd be remiss. Look, if Evan Ingram again, if he, if he catches the ball for a 20-yard gain, the Giants are in great shape. Evan Ingram jumped when he didn't have to jump. And uh, no. this is a mental thing with Evan Ingram. And, uh, you know, this, this was – we talked about this the last couple of weeks, the anatomy of, of, of a collapse, right? The, <laughs> yeah. the anatomy of the collapse in this game was started with the Evan Ingram drop, and it was mm. stopped – because of guys like Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan, uh, we're going to have Antro roll on this show later. And Jabril Peppers, I think, is the closest thing. You played with Antro roll. Do you think Jabril Peppers is the closest thing on this defense to Antro roll? I think oh, he yeah. is. Yeah. I see all kinds of Antro roll oozing off of Peppers. Yes, I agree. He is a dog. He is a dog. Jabril Peppers is a dog. I love the way the defense played. They gave up a little bit too much yardage. I really have to tip my cap to Alex Smith today, too. I mean, what an unbelievable story for him to do what he did. I mean, he threw for 300 yards basically in one half. Sure, we helped him out, but just seeing him back on the football field was unbelievable. And to perform at a very high level, which he did, I mean, that says a lot about his character. You know, you know, it, it's something. It says a lot, you know, of course. I mean, this guy almost had his leg amputated, for God's sakes, and he's back playing in the NFL. But when Allen gets hurt, now, Jabril Peppers, it's an inadvertent leg whip. You know, he yeah. got blocked into the guy. He felt terrible about it. He said he felt terrible about it. And and it's interesting because the Washington players in the scrum when Allen was being looked at were talking to Peppers. There was no animosity there. So players realize when yeah. look, you took a cheap shot or you didn't take a cheap shot. But I don't know about you, Lawrence, but when a, you see a quarterback go down and then Alex Smith comes in the game, whenever the defense is near him, I cringe. Yeah. I cringe. I mean, it's great that he does it, but I cringe like this poor guy, don't let him get hit. You know, don't. he's had enough. Yeah, I just worry about how strong that lower leg bone is. I mean, it has to have been, you know, obviously we know about the infection and we're not doctors, but I just can't imagine it's as stable as it needs to be to play in the NFL. But I'd almost look like guys were grabbing him up top as to not to hurt him. I don't know. I mean, maybe my eyes were, I think guys know he's, He's kind of damaged goods, but um, man, he played his tail off. I, I was impressed. He made some big time throws today too, but that was actually good to see. And it's a great story. He's the surefire comeback player of the year award winner, even if he doesn't play another down. Look, it was a good story, but he threw three interceptions, right? And the, yeah. the last one to Logan Ryan was a really bad pass. And, and this is what I like about this coaching staff. That play was put in Saturday night, that scheme on defense Patrick Graham, Logan Ryan got together and said, I think we can do something here that's different than what we've done before. You know, Logan Ryan's a really bright guy. He was with Patrick Graham with New England. They talked about it. They figured it out. And that was a look they showed at the end of the first half. And Logan Ryan got beat for 32 yards. And he said he went to the sideline and he told Patrick Graham, look, it was a good look. It was good. It was my fault. You run it again. I'm going to be there for you. And they ran it again late in the game. That's pretty good, isn't it? When you are, you know, I I think at some point, maybe Joe Judge and Joe Judge said, look, I have to trust my coaches. 
if they think it's good and we can get it in there, we'll get it in there. But to be doing that kind of stuff Saturday night and put it on the field Sunday, that takes some you-know-what. Yeah, they've got a lot of smart guys on that side of the football. The picks were great. You know, Blake had one. And, you know, the one thing I, I was a little bit threw me off is, you know, with Alex Smith in there, we played a lot of coverage, and I just wanted to see us pressure him more. We didn't start pressuring him until late, and it would cause some turnovers. I just I didn't understand that part on Graham's part. Maybe he just doesn't think we can cover him, but I, I just would have liked to have seen more pressure because they did blitz him in the in the latter part of the second quarter when he went in the game and caused all kinds of problems for him. Then they adjusted at halftime, but I just would have liked to have seen more pressure. You know, the defense played, you know, up front, they played okay. They didn't really run much, but Leonard Williams, again, keeps showing up. Well, he's got five sacks and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say it's a salary drive, but, you know, Leonard Williams has said just this week, he said, I want to be here. I like what we got going. You know, even though we're losing, I think we're building something. So it's be very interesting to fast forward to after the season. Let's say he has 10 sacks, right? He's already... I think he's already two off his career high. He, he's stopping to run great. I mean, the, the, the yeah. Washington got nothing in the run game. Nothing. If he had a different name and he wasn't the former Jet and the high draft pick and the guy was making $16 million and the guy they traded two picks to the Jets for, people would be singing his praises more than they do because it's yeah. Lennon Williams. And Lennon Williams has brought that up from time to time. He brought it up again after the game that, look, I know there's haters out there. But I can't worry about that. There are haters. They but, see Leonard Williams and they see Dave Gettleman and mistakes that he's made. Yes. He, I think this, it's really about Gettleman. It's not about Leonard Williams at all. It's it's because people want to keep pegging these poor decisions on Gettleman. And, and GMs do make poor decisions. Every one of them do. But everyone wants to go at Dave Gettleman. And you have to give him credit for this defense because he is the reason that Blake Martinez is here. Kyler Flack, Fackrell. I mean, there's a lot of reasons and then this offensive line is starting to come together, guys. Like, we can't sit here and ignore the fact that three rookies are playing on that offensive line against the number one pass defense in the NFL. And they held their own today. So we really have to start recognizing – Gettleman's an easy target. We'll worry about that at the end of the season. But I don't think it's it's warranted to some some degree it is, but not, not for that defense. Those guys were all basically Gettleman guys. And Washington has invested big time in their defensive line. That That is where their money is spent. Those are all high draft picks. And, yes, you know, at one point did you notice Chad Slade was in the game yeah. at – at uh, left guard you tell me uh, maybe in in troy maybe in kansas city <laughs> not with the giants have you seen a rotation a, a, a planned rotation with your left tackle and your right tackle no. and your guards and 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 joe judge said when will hernandez comes back we have three for two spots we have three for two spots at tackle and when hernandez comes back off the covid reserve list we're going to have three guards for two spots i mean i'll believe it when i see it if they take will hernandez off the field because yeah. they, they haven't taken kevin zeitler off the field but getting these guys in the game you know your guy matt pert i mean it, it, it's it's invaluable experience for these guys this is not just is. End, end of the game run out the clock this is real live snaps they're getting yeah it's great i mean to be able to do that it looks like the guys don't really have any animosity they showed thomas on the sideline watching and Encouraging watching Pert take his spot for a series. I love it. And the more guys can play, best for the football team. I think they're going to be rewarded for it, you know, late in the season and going into next year. They're going to have some – I think the offensive line will become one of their strong suits. El Boogie, will you be watching Matt Parrott game tape uh, for the next four days as usual? I'm going to go at it. They don't release the all – 22 game film until after midnight so i'll have to wait a little while well wait, hold on and hold on long you just said 
you think the Giants' offensive line will be a strength of the team for years next, to come? Starting next year, yeah. Well, that's 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 kind of a bold statement. Breaking but, but, news. Yeah. But, but listen, if we really look at what they've done in nine weeks, this we went from they suck to wow, they played the best defensive line in some regards two two out of the last five weeks and held their own. They're getting better. I'm, I'm encouraged by that group for sure, and obviously they're playing better because of it. Guys, the NFC East race, let's close on this. Is it interesting now? Are they in it? The Cowboys, the, you know, they look like they were going to beat the Steelers. Steelers ended up winning. Giants are tied with them at 2-7, and seven, Washington 2-6. and six. Eagles had a bye 3-4-1. and one. If the Giants beat the Eagles next week, guys, do things get interesting, or do you do you think this race is over? Yeah, I I mean, why not the NFC least, right? We we beat the Eagles next Sunday. They're another team coming off a bye week. That's two in a row for the Giants. I don't understand that NFL schedule makers, but we'll be ready, man. They're fired up. Wins give you confidence, and obviously, they lost a game they thought they should have won against the Eagles. So, yeah, they should be excited. Well, I, and and Joe Judge was asked that, and you know what? I, I like it. Joe Judge is not falling down that rabbit hole. Guys were in it. You know, he said something really interesting about where this race is. And he said, I don't care about the record. I don't care about it. Don't mention it to me. It's not important. I'm not showing the standings to my players. It is about getting better and improving. And look, the players know. They, they know what the record is. I mean, have, yeah. did, did you ever go into a game, go into a week? and not know exactly where the team was in the division ever. <laughs> not playing for Tom Coughlin, you did He pointed it out, right, every week, right? Every, every week. The good, bad, or indifferent, right? If it was yep. good news, bad news. And even if you were out of it, even if you were out of it, he would say, you know, I mean, if you were not in contention, he would lay out, give you some incentive, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, he just wants to let you guys know where you are and, and you know, stats every week, where we ranked on special teams. By the way, hell of a game, special teams today, again. Yes, they uh, they got a turnover. They did. Yep. Um, and, and Graham Gano, I mean, I know the kickers don't like when they say he's automatic. Because when, when you say a kicker is automatic, it sounds like he's not human. It's not hard to do what he does, right? Cars became easy to drive when the transmission became automatic because you don't have to drive <laughs> them, right? So right. Uh, you don't like automatic, do you? even though Graham Gano is automatic on a rack attack he is automatic i don't like the word but man is he kicking really well holy cow i mean and it's everything's like dead center too like it's like their operation's good the snap the hold everything is i mean he's kicking at a very very high level right now yeah but but can he do a scottish accent that's what i want to know you know we'll have to have graham on the show and uh we'll put him to the test cheerio he is the greatest kicker in Giants history since Lawrence Tynes, we could say. And I, I've, I've been doing a lot of research, guys, and I'll close on this. The stats have told me that Daniel Jones is tied for the greatest winning percentage in NFL history against the Washington football team. 100%. He is 4-0. So there you go. Oh, Daniel. Uh, they, thank you, the Elias Sports Bureau, for sending me that stat that any human with a brain could have figured out. Coming up next is a D-A-W-G dog. Dog. Antrell Roll right here on Blue Rush. Cheerio. Blue Rush. Joining us next is, of course, a Super Bowl champion because our guest list has been full of them. He was a safety on that Super Bowl 46 championship Giants team, along with Lawrence Tynes. He spent five seasons with Big Blue. From 2010 through 2014, he was a Pro Bowler in 2010 and 2013. He spent 11 seasons in the NFL after being the eighth pick by the Cardinals in 2005. 
out of the U. He was the highest paid safety in the league at one point when the G-Men signed him in 2010. It's the always outspoken, honest, number 26, the captain, Antrell Roll. Antrell, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz, welcome to Blue Rush. How are you? I'm doing good. Listen, I need to make sure I record that, that intro next time. Give me a warning, bro. Give me a, hey, give me a warning. Yeah, I mean, well, it is recorded. This is a podcast, so it'll be out there on the internet forever, so you could find it forever. I always say I read people's eulogies. So uh, how old are you? You're you're, uh, you're 37, so let's hope in 60, you know, 63 years when you're 100, uh, you last that long, and we'll play it then. But uh, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you. Uh, Jabril Peppers. Uh, is a pretty good safety on the Giants, and he made a big play today. He was a key part of the Odell Beckham trade, one of your old teammates. How about Jabril Peppers coming up big for the Giants? Does he remind you of you, a hard-nosed kind of player? Well, you know, Jabril Peppers, he's, he's a very versatile player. You know, obviously coming out of Michigan, we knew that he was a dominant player. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know what system he was in, in at Cleveland. But I know with the Giants, you know, if he's healthy, he's out there making plays, whether it's intercepts or return whether it's sacks, whether it's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, key tackles. And he just seems to always find the ball and has a nose for the ball. So anytime you find a safety that can play in the box as well as cover and make huge plays, you find yourself a steal. Hey, Antrell, it's Paul. It's good to hear uh, your voice again. Um, You know, covering the team this year, Jabril is one of those players that you used to call yourself and others a dog. You know, they need more of those kind of players. When you look at back at the 2011 team and the way your leadership style was, you called out teammates sometimes. You did everything team first. What is the definition? Because the Giants are looking for that now to some extent. What is a leader really? What is the responsibility of a leader? And why did you take that role? Why does it fit so well on you? Well, I I think a leader is something that you just naturally possess. A leader is something that a leader doesn't always do the right thing. You know, it might end up with the right results, but you're not always doing the right thing. I'm, I'm not going to always listen to the coach. I'm not going to always listen to my teammates. I'm going to I'm gonna observe my teammates. I'm going to know who's around me. I'm going to be able to tell you everything about LT. I'm going to be able to tell you everything about Eli. I'm going to be able to tell you everything about Deion Grant, just from my observation. And I'm going to put all that into a ball. And when I roll that ball, if there's a side that doesn't fit, I'm going to make sure I address it. It doesn't always have to be in the media. It doesn't always have to be one-on-one. But you have to do whatever you can do as an individual, as a player, to get the best out of your teammates. If that means calling them out, if that means making them accountable, you you know how they're going to respond. I knew how Justin Tucker would respond. I knew how Mark Bradshaw would respond. So everyone is treated the same, but everyone is not treated. Everyone is treated equally, but everyone is not treated the same, if that makes any sense. So you just got to go outside yourself. You got to find what's in you. You have to know your teammates in and out. You don't do anything for your own selfish reasons. I've never, ever once said anything that was answer role entitlement. I didn't care about, you know, what I thought of, what was the best for me or whatever. I wanted the best results for my team. And when you find that in the player, you found a special person. You know, Antrell, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I remember the way you tried to you know, bring that team up in 2011. It was not a great team for a lot of parts of the year. And I remember, I wouldn't say you called out Justin Tuck, who was a, a big player on that team, but I, I remember, and, and I want you to expand upon this. Justin Tuck, I think, was a little down at times that year. He was banged up. 
And I think you looked at him. Tell me if I'm, I'm right about this and said, look, big guy, we need more from you. We don't need that hangdog look. We need you to be, you know, an inspirational guy. Tell me about that, because I remember you stepped out of yourself to try to bring one of your teammates up. Well, you know, you know, with Justin Tuck, man, you know, he's one of the, the better leaders and football players I've been around, you know, out of any organization I've, I've faced. But it was certain times, you know, where Justin Tuck, he just didn't have the right body language. And don't get me wrong, he was a warrior. He was banged up. And I knew that he was banged up. But I also knew that there were 52, 51 other guys that were looking at him and were depending on him. So, you know, when, when he would have a certain look about himself, and sometimes that's just Justin, that's just Justin's demeanor. That's just his look. It might not mean too much of anything. Just how people always associate Eli with just his look. And I tell people all the time, listen, don't get it mistaken. You know, Eli's a dog in his own way. He just has that look about himself. So with Tuck, I just needed him out there on the field with me. I don't care if he practiced one snap or if he practiced 50 snaps. I need you with me. I don't need you out there on the sideline because we do this together. There is no linebackers without your, without your defensive line. There is no secondary without your defensive line. And I knew that. And being that he was one of the better players on our defense, we needed him out there to go hunt, you know. And, and he understood that, you know, Justin handled things in, in, a, in a very subtle manner. And I like to use the term, you know, he was maybe a little bit country. I was a little bit more rock and roll. You know, it's, it's just it's just an expression. And he is country. Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> hey, Trell, thanks for coming on. Hey, I think of three things when I think of Antrell Roll. I think toughness, leadership, and most of all, style, because you were the best-dressed player that we ever took on the road. Oh, appreciate that, real quick. <laughs> yeah, you know you had to stop. But but in 2011, we kind of went through kind of a rough stretch. Maybe it was a four-game losing streak, Paul. You could probably tell me if I'm right or wrong. There was a come-to-Jesus moment where Antrell, I, I, it was mid-meeting with Tom Coughlin, and you just stood up and poured your heart out to the team. And from that point on, I don't think we lost another game, Paul. You guys probably all heard about it. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, I, you don't have to tell us what you said. I, I mean, I, I remember vaguely, but what brought that out? I know it's the dog, the leadership, everything that you stand for. But take us through that moment one more time. You know, it, it goes back to what I said as far as observing your team. You know, it got to a point where we were, we were honestly, we were 7-7 seven and seven with two games left to go in the season. And I just knew that we were a better team. Did I feel like we were the best team in the NFL? No, I didn't feel like we were the best team. But I knew we were sure a hell of a lot better than what we were showing out there on the field on Sundays. And I just needed a chance. I didn't know what would happen for sure, but I just knew every single time I looked over to the sideline, I saw 10, 11, 12 guys on the sideline. And some of them was our key guys. I'm like, bro, we can't have this. Like, we, we cannot have this. In order to give ourselves a shot, we can't have these people on the sideline. You know, if you're injured, that's one thing. But if you're hurt, you're nicked up, you're bruised, get your ass out there on the field. Like, I need you with me. Point blank, period. You know, and, and, and that's my mentality. That's the mentality that I was brought up on, that was the mentality that we had at University of Miami because there were so many players that were so gifted and probably better than you behind you that you didn't miss a practice. If you missed a practice, the next person behind you would say, damn, you're bad. Because more than likely, you weren't going to get your spot back. So that was my mentality. If, if I'm nicked up and bruised, if I have water in my knee, fluid in my knee, I'm out there practicing. But if I can't run, then I can't run. There's nothing you can do about that. So I just needed a chance for all of us to go out there and be on the field together. I want to be able to look at L Boogie and know exactly what he's thinking. I want I want Justin Tuck or Deion Grant to look at me 
and they don't need to tell me cover two, cover three, or cut this guy that's going to run the, the, the crosser route. They need to know that I, I'm looking at them and I can read their mind. That's how a team gets in sync. It's, it's, it's meaning is one thing, practice is another, but being in sync is a totally different animal. When, when, when Lawrence Thomas went to kick those two field goals in San Francisco, I didn't have a shadow of a doubt in my mind because that dude is battle-tested. He had ice in his veins. Like, there's certain things about certain players that you know and that you're 100% confident in, and you don't get that with players being on the sideline, and that's what I knew. I want to run through a brick wall after Let's hearing go. that, guys. Let's go. <laughs> Antrell, I'm all in after that. Antrell, all in, right? You made that pretty all famous. That, that, listen, listen, you, you, you throw in all those chips. You do whatever you have to do to be victorious because, you know, listen, I went to a Super Bowl before and I lost. Lawrence went to a Super Bowl before and he won. That was my first Super Bowl. Uh, again, getting that, you know, like people don't get to Super Bowls in, in their whole career. And I was fortunate enough to go twice within five years. You know, I wanted to make that second go round as special as it could be. Did I have a Did I have a clue that we would end up in the Super Bowl? <laughs> not at all. And I would I would be the first to tell you that we were not a Super Bowl team. But once we started clicking, and once we went out there with Atlanta and pretty much gave them a donut, and then once we went to Green Bay and gave them that spanking, I knew then that we were in sync as an entire, as a whole unit. We were in sync. You know, Antrell, I covered, obviously, the 2007 Giants team that beat the Patriots, and that was, you know, an undefeated Patriots team, and that was a huge upset. Now, four years later, you guys were not quite the underdogs that the 2007 team was, but you were underdogs. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, you were underdogs. What was the mindset that you had going into that game? Because I think a lot of people, probably me included, said, you know what? The Giants aren't beating the Patriots twice in four years in a Super Bowl. Did you, A, think you were going to win that game, hope you were going to win that game, or know you were going to win that game? You know, you know, Paul, listen, and, and maybe LT can, can attest to this. That week of practice that we had in Indianapolis, I would tell you no lie, was the sharpest, crisp, fastest practice I've ever been a part of in my 11-year career. That week alone was the sharpest, best practice. And, I, and I'll tell you like this, our scout team, both offensively and defensively, those guys were coming to play. They are the ones that won the game for us out there in Indianapolis. It was a scout team. Because let me tell you something, those guys, the Palmer, Brandon Bean, those guys were giving us the business, and they did not let up. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. It was like something that I never saw before. And, and, and listen, we were sharp. We were clicking on all four cylinders. And it was just, it was, there was no tension. Like, I, I never felt tension that entire week. And when I went out there, you know, doing the game and, you know, the, the bright lights and everything like that, I was a different I was a different player. I was a different person because I, I had gone through that before in Arizona and the bright lights really got my, my legs were weak because the moment felt too big for me. But when I went there in Indianapolis, I felt like this was my time. This was our time. And I wasn't going to fail again under any means. And I just always kept in my head that entire week, the speech that Eli gave the team the week of Indianapolis. He said, listen, we're going out there for one one reason and one reason only. And that's to win and that's to take care of business. We're not worried about 
the festivities. We're not worried about the family members and the tickets. Have someone else appoint that to someone else and let them take care of it. We're out there for one reason and one reason only, to take care of business. And Eli say, we will have fun once we come home with that ship. And that's that. And when I tell you that like literally stuck like glue in my brain the entire week, it was almost to the point where I felt like maybe I was going overboard by listening to Eli a little too much. You know what I mean? But it felt good and I felt prepared and I was ready. You know, I was I was ready to take on all times, you know, and uh, we came up victorious. Guys, we're going to have to wrap up this podcast. I got to go run a 10K. I got to go cure cancer and do anything else I can <laughs> after listening to Antro Roll, who's joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Antro Roll 26 and Instagram, the same handle. Um, you were a, a leader and, a, you know, you were outspoken and did some of that come from Tom Coughlin? We always ask our guests, is, is the rest of your life on Coughlin time? Like, do you show up to your kid's carpool line an hour early to be the first one in line? Like, what did Tom Coughlin preach on you? And uh, how did he make you the leader that you were? You know what? Uh, I wouldn't say that Tom Coughlin made me a leader. I would say that he helped, definitely helped develop me as a man. And what I mean by that is he it took all of my selfish acts, uh, you know, it took me really being accountable for myself as well as others. It took me understanding that it's not just about your way. It's not just about your, it's not just about your swagger. You know, it's, it's, it's 53 men involved, you know, and that was very hard for me to accept my first year because I was used to a, a looser ship. You know, I was used to wearing my my um shirt up under my uniform or you know just having a you know a different type of swag about myself and i've always done it my entire career but when i got to new york i was told i couldn't do that i told i was told i had to look like eli i had to look like brandon jacobs i had to look like a mod but in, in my mind i wasn't eli i wasn't a mod i wasn't brandon this was my swagger this helped me play better you know and i had to accept being a leader, but being a leader under another leader. I, I had to understand his ways, and he wasn't going to bud. But eventually, we ended up meeting each other halfway, and, you know, he loosened up a little bit. And I, you know, I, I started to embrace what he was preaching because I saw that it worked. And, I, and more importantly, I knew that he wanted the best for our team, which was his team. So once we all bought into the system, and other players saw me buy into the system. They bought into it more. And then there, there you go. You know, you have your Super Bowl team. Andrew, I'm so glad you brought up Danny De Palma. Like, a lot of people in Giants Nation probably have never heard of Danny De Palma. What he did that week to emulate Wes Welker, because everything ran through Wes and Gronk, was something that a lot of – we need to have Danny De Palma on the show, Jake. Because Antrell vetted, vetted him. But having said that, Antrell, you have so much to offer the game. When your kids get older – are we going to see you on the sidelines? <laughs> Man, listen, I, I don't know if I'll be on the I, I don't know if I'll be on the sideline, but I would definitely be on my son's sideline, that's for sure. But I, you know, I, I would love the coach, man. I would love the coach. I think I have so much knowledge of the game and there's so much for me to teach. But man, honestly, I like maybe when my kids get a little older right now, but I just I just feel like it'll take too much time away from them. And you know, man, like I, I'm dad first and I just love to be a part of every single day of their life you know that's just me that's just that's my focus right now and uh, I don't know what the future holds but I would love 
to coach for sure. That you know, I think that that's a given. You know, Antrell, just listening to you, it brings back so many memories. I mean, look, I don't know if you can come back and play safety, but you want to come up back and do some interviews for me? Just you know, come back. I I just love listening to you. I always did for your years <laughs> with the Giants after the Super Bowl year, and then things kind of turned right, Antrell, a little bit. Things happened. 2013, the team had a losing record. 2014. The team had a losing record, and it's been kind of a not kind of a. It's been a downward trend with the Giants. I know you're not, you know, watching every game and in tune with every moment that's going on with the Giants. But what happened? What changed that that this team that won a Super Bowl kind of went by the wayside a little bit? You left, and other guys left. Lawrence Tynes left, and and you know the team just hasn't won. I mean, what did you see from afar? What was your sense maybe then and now that you know the demise of the Giants? What happened? Uh, you know, for for me, I I think it's it's an easy pick. I think it's just simply the guys that are supposed to be performing and making plays and being the leaders of your team. I don't. I just don't see it. I don't see it happening. I see. I see a lot of front runners. You know, and, and that's not really to call anyone out in particular, but I just see a lot of front runners. And, and what I said when I say that, I mean I don't see enough. Dog, I don't see enough guys caring about losing. And I'm not saying that, you know, you have to go punch a hole in the wall. I'm not saying that you need to scream and shout. But I think as, as a player, and, and Lawrence can tell you, you know when someone is hurting after a game. Like, you know, I'm sure that Lawrence could look at me after a Chicago loss and know, okay, I might not say that to this guy because he's pissed. You know, I would have people tell me. I, I remember I had a, a girlfriend of mine tell me, man, I, I came up to you after the game, and, and I just thought that you were real stuck up and real snobbish. And I'm like, me? Well, I'm the nicest guy in the world. What are you talking about? And then she'd say, yeah, you know, I think you all lost the game. And I said, well, there you go. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's just me. Like, that's just who I am. I never, ever wanted to be used to losing. And I, don't, I just don't see enough dog out there. Like, you may have a couple guys that show dog here and there, but to be a constant dog, to be a constant Amar Bradshaw, to be a constant Deion Grant, who, you know, doesn't matter if you're right, wrong, or indifferent, he's always going to be in your ear giving you knowledge, giving you pointers of the game. I don't see enough of that. I see a lot of individualism. You know, I see a lot of selfish play. And you're not going to win football games like that. I don't care how good you are as an individual. You need all 53 men to have that same mindset. And that's when you're going to start hitting. A couple things to address there. One, dog has become a common theme of this show. Uh, it's actually become a soundbite that we use, D-A-W-G. D-A-W-G, dog. Uh, I also love, what, what did you? What did he call you? L- L Boogie. L Boogie. L Boogie, yeah. So L Boogie. L Boogie. Yeah, we're going to have to use that. <laughs> Do you have any Tynes memories? Uh, we always try and have someone tell a story about, you know, he talks about he was the back of the bus guy. He was the life of the party and the back of the bus. Do you have any Tynes stories for us? You know, Tynes was, was a guy that no matter what was going on, you know, no matter how, how bad the day was, man, he would, he would brighten up your day. And it's so funny because, uh, you know, like I, I'll stalk his Instagram from time to time and I'll look at his, you know, his twin boys. And I see like the, the son has the same smile that this dude has. It's like, it's like the incarnation right there in front of your eyes. You know what I mean? It's like L Boogie all over again. But, you know, Tyson was the life of the, was the, life of the party and my Boo Ray partner. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Boot Ray. We played the cards. Hey, I need to get some of that dog in them. Now they don't have any dog in them yet. Hey, hey, hey I've seen them boys throw hand. They have some dogs. They have some dogs. I've seen them throw hands. Oh, yeah. you, saw, you saw the boxing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Charles, uh, we really appreciate the time and uh, you know taking a trip down memory lane with you. And uh, you know we'll talk to you uh, again later in the season. Thanks, man. No, absolutely. Anytime. Thank you all for having me. L Boogie, DJ Lughead. And that says cheerio to episode 50, the Ken Strong edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCroy for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush or wherever the hell you get your pods. Give us a five-star rating and rating a nice review of Apple Podcasts. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. Chat with you all again on Thursday to preview the Giants matchup with the Bloody Eagles at MetLife. Stay safe, folks. 